I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today helps people learn vanilla JavaScript. He believes that there's a simpler, more resilient way to make things for the web. His developer tips newsletter is read by thousands of developers each weekday, which you can check out at gomakethings.com. I have personally found that a beginner audience is so much more friendly than uh, like senior developers can be. Not always, there's plenty of lovely senior developers, but like trying to like sell educational things to senior developers is hard because you get a lot of like, I know everything or I could just Google that ego. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. His name is Chris Andy. Chris, welcome to the show. Lauren, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here. I'm super happy to be chatting with you. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before your journey into coding? Yeah, absolutely. So they were very varied. Um, I am <laughs> a little bit of a like, Winnie the Pooh is probably the best way to describe it. Um, kind of bumbling, oh uh, <laughs> bumbling my way through life, just pursuing whatever seems fun at the time. So um, <laughs> I, I love that. Had... That's a great visual. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I had four or five majors in college. Um, so I started undecided went into education, then English, then journalism, then business wow. for a little while before eventually wow. landing in anthropology, which um, oh, yeah. I found really, really interesting. And then in my second senior year, I realized that as much as I love learning about this stuff, um, it's not something I actually wanted to do professionally. It involves sure. a lot of like traveling and being out in the field. And um, I am mm. very much a homebody. Um, yeah, and I like my comfy bed. I don't even really like hotel beds. And so, um, <laughs> it just really did not seem like something right for me. Because so, to use your, like what a degree in anthropology would mean to be a like on the road anthropologist studying cultures. Is that kind of the, what, yeah, well, there's a, there's a couple of ways it can manifest. So you could be like an archeologist who, whenever Ooh, there's construction that. projects goes and makes sure it's not really like Indiana Jones. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. That was what triggered my mind. I was like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So it's like, um, making sure there's no significant like relics buried in the ground before people start uh, like digging and pouring foundations and things. Yeah. 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 A lot of times it involves going out and living in other parts of the world with other cultures for mm -hmm. UN development projects, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's a lot of not being at your house. Yeah. And I like being at my house. Okay. <laughs> so it's very much not for me. So um, <laughs> at the recommendation of my dad, who was an HR guy, uh, he okay. was like, oh, try out HR. You're going to love it. And um, so I, I got an internship in human resources my senior year. And it was, I, I liked it enough that I, uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I, could, I could do this for a while. So um, I, I got a job in HR after college. Ended up going and okay. getting a master's in HR. And um, wow. It was, it was interesting because like there was, I'm someone who likes to solve problems. And so I enjoyed the problem solving aspect of, of it. But, um, there was a lot of things that I didn't like about 
the industry, particularly like kind of this focus on um, like hours and kind of maximizing the productivity of where it was just, it was a lot of like draconian kind of stuff, like butts and seats and things. And so um, there was this kind of, this bent of HR that was really focused on the fact that like, if you treat employees like adults, they'll act like adults and they'll like everything will be better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started writing a lot about that. I started a blog powered by WordPress. And um, I want to talk about that lens of like over... HR, of like mm-hmm. trying to kind of help people be better at their jobs and optimize that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and more specifically, how to make HR suck less. So it was a lot of me uh, complaining <laughs> about the profession and like how I'd like to see That's it change. And I wanted to have a lot more control over like the look and feel of that. So mm-hmm. I started, I started kind of hacking my way through HTML and CSS and a little bit of PHP because it was run by WordPress and I found it really interesting. So I started looking for ways to do more of that in my day job in HR. And in the very last role I had in HR, I was in training development specifically focused on career development and kind of helping people transition into their next jobs and things like that. And my manager and I at the time were kicking around this idea of like a a way of training people that was more like just in time, like watch a quick video kind of based the way you might like if you were trying to figure out how to do something and you watched a YouTube video. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we had this kind of proof of, or this idea for proof of concept in our heads. And our internal IT department was like, oh yeah, no, we can do that. It'll take a year and it'll cost you a hundred grand. That's not really good for a proof of concept. (laughs) So we went to an external agency and they're like, yeah, no, we can do that in like a month and a half, two months, half a million bucks. (laughs) Well, no, that's not gonna, we don't have a budget for that. So (laughs) my manager asked me the question that completely changed like my career path. Um, So he goes, can you do it? And I go, absolutely not. I don't know like back end anything. I, I can't do this. And he goes, well, can you learn? And mm. for the next two weeks, I lived in the bowels of Stack Overflow, kind of trying to figure out how to hack WordPress into a enough of a back end app platform that yeah. it would work for a proof of concept. And I built probably the worst piece of code I've ever written in my life. But it was it like it ended up working enough that we were able to demo it. And it was really, um, for me, that was the moment that completely changed my career. Cause I, oh my God. I was so exhilarated by having gone from this idea to a like functional piece of code right. that, um, right. I never wanted to do the HR stuff again. And that started for me a two or three year long transition into web development. I love that kind of aha moment of like zero to hero. I just had no idea what I was doing, but suddenly I built this. Look at that. Like that must have felt incredible. And very. I think all listeners, we can relate to that feeling of like, you know, maybe your first hello world or whatever it is, just like the idea coming from just the thing you're imagining or drawing out into actually working. And yes, of course, the code now is, you know, mortifying, but it ran and that's so cool. And uh, yeah, it's just a a really fun moment that we all seem to have in our journey. Yeah, that was the, um, that was the hook for me. And I built like things before, like I moved some buttons around on my blog, but like the actual like, (laughs) oh, this, like this runs, you do things and other things happen. Like that was a really kind of like a different thing for me. Um, so it sounds like you were kind of 
I love that. So kind of discovering your learning style too of like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. if I have a project or something that I'm excited about, I then can fall into that and learn through kind of just uh, Mm -hmm. looking up resources, as you said, fall in a stack overhaul full flow hole. Is that how you learn to code essentially? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was all project based. Um, This is I've um, so I have since learned that this is is potentially like just kind of a a side effect of having ADHD. But like if I'm not really excited by like if I'm not having fun, Mm -hmm. it's really tough for me to like learn and stay focused. And for me personally, project based stuff is is the way I do that. Like if I'm working on a, a project and I find it exciting, I'm like hyper focused. Um, but mm-hmm. like learning in the abstract uh, just does not work well for right. me personally. The theory or like, here's how to build a to-do app again. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds like that just wasn't ever going to work for you. Okay. So then let's see. So from HR, then the big switch, how did you then find your first role as a developer? Yeah. So I had, I had a little bit of an unfair advantage here. Um, that's probably underscoring it a little bit. So because I had been in human resources and I had specifically been focused on teaching people how to like uh, write better resumes and like, you knew find the their secrets. next career <laughs> Yeah. So I knew like all the secret sauce behind how all this works. It still took me like three damn years though. So it's not, I've, I've heard of people who have done it in less. It took me a really long time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. so a couple of things that didn't work for me, cause I feel it's important to talk about those yes. two. Just applying to job boards was absolutely a dead end. Like that just did not work well for me at all. The thing that ultimately every job I've had, I've effectively gotten through networking, which I need to caveat that. So this is not the like, go to a networking event, do the small talk Mm. thing, grab a Mm -hmm. bunch of business cards kind of thing. This was more targeted and selective. And so my preferred style of networking is to reach out to people that I know um, either personally or more often it's like people I know from like of from social media. So for mm-hmm. example, um, at the time, Brad Frost was kind of like an up and coming guy in web development. Um, he's like a no name now, but he was like yeah, up and coming. Sure. He just left his agency, the agency he was working at and everything. And he had like, he was doing all this responsive web design thing. So I just, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, can I like, just chat with you for 15 or 20 minutes about some career stuff. You seem like you've got some things figured out. I'm just getting started. And he was like, oh yeah, sure. We could, let's do a Zoom. Um, not a nice. Zoom, I'm sorry. This was Skype. This was back in like 2009. So this was, this was Skype, right? And uh, Oh, Skype in its heyday. Sure. Right? <laughs> so we had a Skype call and Brad is a lovely human being who generously um, gave me like 40 minutes of his time. You know, so we chatted for a bit. He gave me some great ideas. And then at the end of any one of these, um, I'd always ask, you know, is there anyone else you think might be worth me talking to? And usually get like one or two other folks that like, oh yeah, let me get you in touch with so-and-so. They might be interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're never like, hey, I'm looking for a job. It's, you know, my approach was, uh, or the approach I recommend is um, Mm -hmm. go in with some questions about things you'd like to learn from the person um, and then mention that you're looking. And, you know, if they happen to have something or if they hear of something, you might be someone that they think of. But, you know, just kind of going in and being like, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? It's a really selfish way to approach it. And I I would imagine most people would find that pretty off-putting. But so I usually go in and I ask, questions like, you know, like some really simple things. Like what is a, what does a typical day look like for you? If you're trying to get a sense for whether like the job they do is something you might be interested in. Absolutely. Another one that sparks some really interesting conversation and can help you focus from like a, 
skills you need to maybe focus on kind of thing is, you know, how do you see the industry changing over the next couple of years? Or what are some big trends that you think are going to change the way Mm. you work? You know, so, um, uh, you know, the types of answers you get back may provide some things that you want to focus on going forward. So for example, at the time when I talked to Brad, mobile was kind of a newish thing. I remember talking to hiring managers who were like, oh no, that's a fad. That's going to go away. (laughs) Um, and me being like, okay, we are not going to be a good fit. I don't want to work here, but I really like put a lot of energy into learning like mobile friendly design, responsive web design, mobile first web development. And it paid off really big, like two years later at the time, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, this is, this is silly. But so networking was a really big one for me. I eventually found the job I ended up in because some like dude I sat next to at a conference remembered that I mentioned I was looking for work. Um, we talked about a bunch of other stuff not related to that because sure. he lived like like a town over from me. Um, but um, he remembered and then an opening happened on his team and he emailed me. He's like, hey, you're still looking for a job? We're hiring um, like a month and a half later. And uh, that's how I ended up in my first job. But I had so <laughs> many failed interviews. Um, one of the things <laughs> I learned... Well, so this is another thing actually that, you know, Lauren, if you want to unpack, we can. But one of the... Um, one of the questions I get as a teacher a lot is like, how do you know when yeah. you're ready to apply for your first web development job? Ooh, um, yeah, we talk about that a lot on here because, you know, you finish <clears throat> a boot camp or you finish, mm-hmm. especially if you're self-teaching, that's mm-hmm. a really tricky one, I'm sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so my answer is, is sooner than you feel you're ready. Um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you are going to just bomb the shit out of your first interview. Everybody sucks uh, at interviewing the first couple times. 100%. Like it is going to be a flop. And (laughs) but you can't put too much like emphasis on because you have to line them all up or get a, yeah, be willing to do a bunch to learn from them. You don't want the interview you fail spectacularly to be the job you were like, oh, this is the perfect job for me, right? Like it should be something that you're like, all right, I'm probably not going to get this, but let's go through anyways. Because you just like, you get comfortable with some of the basics. Um, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is I find a lot of people underestimate their own skills and overestimate how much better everybody around them is, especially if you're self-taught or you just went through a boot camp and you don't have a computer science degree. Like I thought everybody in the industry has CS degrees and I was this huge fraud that had no right to be there. Mm-hmm. And I learned many, many years later that like 80% of our industry is self-taught and most people are just kind of fumbling their way through. Even the senior developers are like, ah, I don't oh, know, nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google that. I have no idea what I'm Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode, to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video, and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor, and build community together. Everyone is welcome, and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. 
The link to join is bit.ly slash WeBelongDiscord. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash WeBelongDiscord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at Coding. I'm super excited to see you there. That was a really <laughs> enlightening moment, but like it's really easy to sell yourself short and feel like you're not mm-hmm. ready when you actually are. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing that that happened to me for like two years is I kept bombing the JavaScript portions of interviews. I wasn't enough of a designer for design jobs, huh. and I didn't know enough JavaScript for the JS jobs. This was at a time where people didn't. I know there's still a lot of people who like poo-poo CSS, but like CSS and design systems in general get a lot more credibility than they did like a decade ago. And mm-hmm. at the time, like just knowing HTML and CSS was not enough for a lot of yep. places. And so I was getting asked all these JS questions and had no idea. And that's how I got started on this whole JavaScript education thing. Cause I started teaching myself yeah. and then just writing about it because it helped me learn. I, yeah, I think I already mentioned how I actually got my first role, but it was a very long journey that involved a lot of failed interviews, like way more than I could count. Um, dozens and dozens and dozens. But I mean, I think that it's really important to say because it feels as though everyone else is landing jobs around you. And if you're, you know, in that space, navigating interview mm-hmm. after interview and facing rejection, it's important to hear this also. Like you are not alone. Uh, it's easy to, you know, fall into a Twitter hole where it feels like you're seeing everyone getting new jobs and opportunity. It just, it can be <laughs> overwhelming. And it's a comparison yeah. game, et cetera. Uh, but so yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And I just, you know, to echo the importance of these like authentic relationships when you are at these networking events or at you're at a conference or something, those mm-hmm. relationships are important. And I, I think keeping a pulse on what is up and coming is a really mm-hmm. smart thing to be doing because there is so much to learn, especially when you're at the beginning of things. It feels as though how do you pick specialties or people are trying to ask like, what are you going to to learn next or what are you specializing in? And there's a lot of pressure to kind of pick whether you're front end, back end, yeah. et cetera. And mm-hmm. that stuff is really difficult to navigate. Nav- and I remember feeling very, very overwhelmed when I was starting out. Yeah. You can always change too. Cause I felt the same way. I thought I, I thought I wanted to be <laughs> so a designer true. for like a majority of that two to three year job hunt because at the time there was this really stereotypical, like, this is what a developer looks like. And this is what a designer looks like. And I'm like, I want to drink Starbucks and wear nice shoes and like dress stylishly. And And then like, I eventually realized that like, oh yeah, no, like there are (laughs) designers who look the way you might think a developer looks and vice versa. And like this whole like archetypal bullshit is like ridiculous. So and I also discovered that I just like code better. Sure. But you yeah. have to explore those things. And that's super important in your journey to like mm-hmm. try out the things that seem interesting and to also not pigeonhole yourself because there is yeah. so much to in different routes to take mm-hmm. to explore them and try them on for size, see how it feels. Um, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I am curious to know because as you mentioned, you wear this educator hat as well. It seems as mm-hmm. though you've kind of been doing that and have had that blog or kind of newsletter, or, you know, just function mm-hmm. with this go make things brand for about 10 years now. So that is really cool. Why did you kind of start developing that piece of things? Yeah. So um, great questions. 
were great <laughs> there were questions. a lot of questions there. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is good though. This is such a fun conversation. So I started for a couple of reasons. So I had I you know I'd mentioned I'd been doing the HR blog before this. And so for me, yeah. just kind of like writing about I'm a very outspoken person. And so I have lots of ideas and I like feel a strong need to share them. Sure. But for me too, I've found that teaching what I'm learning helps me learn it better. It's just kind of like a personal bias of mine. It's your way of like working out things and trying to almost like yeah, solidifying sure. and understanding it and regurgitating it. Yeah, totally. I get that 100%. I, I also viewed it maybe a little bit, I'm trying to think back now, but like a decade ago, um, a little a bit as like a career strategy and that like, because I did not have a CS degree, having a place where I could kind of show things I'd done and like code I'd written and like ideal, you know, would maybe be useful for like hiring purposes or mm-hmm. getting hired purposes. Um, well, I mean, we talk on the show, like, you know, how has your, your history as X helped you today as a developer, mm-hmm. et cetera. And it seems as though like your history in HR helped you understand, like, you, you need some search engine optimization. Like you need to be Googleable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have, we can talk about some hacks to get your resume seen by a real person to like that whole thing. Like if you do do mm-hmm. the job board thing, like it, yeah. You can sneak your way past the computers. Um, hmm. Don't like be shitty about it, but like there's ways you can do it um, <laughs> that we can get into. But yeah, the um, the the blogging was really it was a, a combination of of things, and then it turned into something bigger about five years ago. Um, I decided that um, I really kind of wanted to eventually work for myself, and so I'd originally started out trying to do some freelancing stuff. And then I realized okay. that, um, like I worked with some really great clients and I also hated kind of the whole trying to find clients thing. Like I, I yeah. absolutely hate that. And I really enjoy, I, I found the people I liked working with the most were kind of technical people who were early in their career. Like I just really mm-hmm. like teaching. And mm-hmm. so I started putting together some like education resources. Um, you know, I had a whole bunch of stuff on my blog, but I started putting together some like paid things and I created a Slack channel. And I found that it's just, for me, they're the people that I love working with the most because I get to blend some of the stuff I used to do in HR, which is like career development stuff with all the technical stuff that I love. And yeah. I have personally found that a beginner audience is so much more friendly than... Uh, like senior developers can be not always there's plenty of lovely senior developers but like trying to like sell educational things to senior developers is hard because you get a lot of like i know everything or i could just google that okay. ego yeah yeah I don't and, that. <laughs> and um beginners ask a lot of really great questions like they've helped keep me like my students have really helped keep me from falling into that like the trap of the expert where you forget what you didn't know when you were starting. And so like, yes. it's helped me avoid writing documentation that starts with just X, Y, Z and do these really hard right. things that are easy and for making me. Making assumptions I've been doing this for 10 years. and yeah. saying, this is so simple. And <laughs> though, yeah, yeah, I think that that can be so polarizing mm-hmm. and toxic. Yeah. So it's good to be able to kind of like remember mm-hmm. what it's like um, to be facing the bugs and to have that empathy for your learners. Yeah. And just the audience is, it's very thoughtful. I'm sure they appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a given, you know, it's a, I, it goes both ways. Like I, I 
one of the other really interesting things is like I've grown now that I'm I'm older, I've grown tired of constantly learning about all the newest trends in the industry. Like I just can't, it's too much to keep mm-hmm. up with. It is, yeah. But like these young pups who have tons of energy and hunger for it will periodically mention cool new things to me that I didn't know about because I just don't yep. keep as up to date as uh, I used to. Time to Google. Yep. Yeah, it was great. I'm like, oh, this is I'm like a great. really great way for me to like, it's like a filter, like the really cool stuff bubbles up to me from my nice. students. It's great. Uh, I think that's really cool. And so then tell me why specifically develop a emphasis and focused lens on vanilla JavaScript? Oh, yeah, great question. So I, uh, when I originally started doing educational stuff, I right. really wanted to be like, the web performance guy. And I put a ton of effort into that. Mm. And it just never really went anywhere because kind of like accessibility, it's really important, but people don't care enough to actually like focus on as much as they should. And one of the ways I got into vanilla JavaScript was because of the performance angle. I had read an article from Dave Rupert about how dropping jQuery off his site, like did this massive or resulted in this massive kind of first render improvement on his WordPress site at the time. Mm. And so I started writing some articles on, on that. And um, uh, at one point I started working with a business coach who's like, Oh yeah, no, I've heard of you. You're the vanilla JS guy, even though that was not huh. how I was trying to brand myself at the time. Yep, and I spent a year working with him trying to like make this performance thing stick. And I ended up looking at my analytics one day and realizing that eight of the 10 most popular articles on my site were, you know, how to do jQuery thing with vanilla JS instead. And the other two were not web performance related. And I was like, all right, I guess I should just kind of like read the cards here and uh, yeah. lean yeah. all in on this. Yeah. And so that's and do you love that? Though? Like, do you love that? I mean, you let the data speak for itself and let the audience kind of decide for you. Are you still happy being the expert in that space? Yeah, so much changes. Not so much changes because, you know, like they don't really deprecate old things all that often on the web platform, which is Mm -hmm. nice. But there's always new things to teach and talk about. One of the more interesting things I've kind of tried to do over the last couple of years is provide kind of simplicity in a an industry that seems to be getting increasingly more complex. Part of that is just natural as the industry matures, but a lot of the complexity that I see is maybe artificially generated. And so I've been trying to maybe provide a little bit of a counterbalance to that, trying to demystify (laughs) some stuff for people or show alternatives that are not quite as complex that achieve the same thing. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. So I, I, I love it. It was, um, yeah, it's that Winnie the Pooh thing again. I kind of stumbled onto this giant trove of honey. Yeah. And I got really lucky there. One thing I I feel like I just, I really need to mention, because I've had kind of a, like a, like a bumbling career um, where I've just kind of ambled and fallen into various things. And I'm always a little sensitive when I talk about this to the fact that like, I am a cis white hetero suburban guy from a middle-class family and so a lot of the things that I've been able to do and earlier in my career, I'm like, oh yeah, no, you just kind of, you know, follow your bliss and do whatever, you know, like it doesn't always work sure. as easily for other folks. And so I'm always a little, like when I talk about my career, I think there's definitely some things you can learn from it, but I'm also like very cognizant of the fact that like I was able to like fuck around and have five different majors because like 
mm-hmm. I had a home I could go back to and I could like crash in my parents' house if I needed to. Yeah. And there was not this like dire urgency for me to get a job to keep food on the table. And I know mm-hmm. not everybody has that luxury. And well, no, um, I appreciate you acknowledging privilege. And yeah, I, um, I think that that is thoughtful. You know. Yeah, thank you. No, 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 no worries at all. And so I am, you know, like one of the, the way I think that manifests in some of the stuff I talk about is Mm -hmm. I prefer to, for example, not work with JavaScript frameworks. Like I'm very much like, I prefer Mm -hmm. to be a little bit closer to the platform. And I get a lot of people ask things like, well, you know, all the jobs I see are looking for people with React or Vue or whatever. I have been very fortunate in that I've been able to find jobs that don't require those things but they are definitely more rare and like the kind of the privilege piece of this is like i can not take those react jobs and hang out for a while and like find jobs that fit what i but not everybody has that kind of luxury mm-hmm. so especially earlier in your career you may have to do some things that you don't love as much and you know dig into some technologies that aren't necessarily your preference and one of the things i found in in even having to do some of that on my own earlier in my career is a lot of times these things that you think you're going to hate you discover there's actually a lot of mm. really cool things about them right you know there's more to like a career than just loving the technology um like for me the tech is kind of an after or the tech is yeah. a way to solve problems for me like for me it's yes. it's like the problem solving is the thing I enjoy and tech is just a vehicle to do that. That's yes. Sorry, Lauren, you can bring me back on track. I'm rambling. I tend to... No, I think that that's really... I think we on. sometimes talk about that, about like, is it, should it be the the mission first or should it be the product first that I care about? How do I navigate mm-hmm. that when I'm job searching? Um, yeah. How do I figure out the hierarchy of needs of things that I want from a role? And how do I ask about that when I'm navigating the interview space and how do mm-hmm. I clarify if this is going to be a good work-life balance or if it's going to be some a tech that I'm really curious about or will it offer me opportunities to level up multiple tech languages, whatever it is. And so it's interesting to hear your take on that. And it is something that folks, when they're in that, that particular time in their kind of like career journey, are mm-hmm. really problematizing and figuring out. So I'm happy to talk about it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the books I read pretty early in my career that influenced me a lot here was, um, well, there were two, both by Dan Pink, um, Drive, which is a book about kind of intrinsic versus external motivators. And similarly, he wrote a book for like, I think college grads called Johnny Bunko, which is like a, like an anime magna. uh, Yeah. Am I saying that right? It's a comic style (laughs) book that talks about career stuff, but, um, both of them kind of have this focus on, you know, even if you're not like, you know, uh, for example, like logistics professionals probably aren't like really like super excited about shipping boxes and containerization, but there's a lot of interesting like problems you can solve through that profession that can be exciting to you. And so, you know, um, I guess actually along these same lines, a lot of folks I find when they first get in, they want to go work for like, Google or Twitter, or maybe not so much these days because they're eroding democracy, but like, you know, um, like flashy new tech startups. And um, there is, if if you really want that and you can make it work, more power to you. But there is so much to be said for picking 
or for starting your career in a quote boring job at a boring company working on boring tech. Mm. You know, there are a lot of things about that boring technology that you can find exciting. It's going to be a lot more stable. The hours are going to be a lot better. Old product companies pay a lot better than agencies do. Yeah. You know, so yeah, uh, you know, I could probably do a whole conversation with you just around like <laughs> the job hunt process and like, you know, the yeah, pros and cons of different types of companies. But well, I mean, I think that there is just such wisdom that you hold uh, from the prior life experiences that you had and, and your schooling even. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really uh, am loving just kind of picking your brain on that piece of it. I, I'm curious if you have advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you can share um, beyond what you already have. Yes, a few things. Um, one, uh, and this may be a little bit more of a summarization, but like, don't get discouraged if it takes a while. Like mm. I have definitely, I know you mentioned like the social media thing. I have definitely seen the like, three months ago I was flipping burgers at McDonald's and now I got my first job yes. at a tech company. And it's like, that was so very much not my experience. Right. And I, right. you know, mm. I had a, like a pretty good in on how hiring processes work and it still took me like mm-hmm. a hell of a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it may take you a while apply before you feel you're ready because it'll be a learning experience. The, um, you know, the networking piece, which we already talked about is really kind of key. Um, and then the other thing I think we, we kind of alluded to, but we didn't necessarily outright say is like, it's okay to not know what your focus is right yes. at the beginning. It is totally cool to like try some things, apply for jobs that have like, a bunch of different focuses, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, maybe that you're going to do like that yeah. generalist and like learn a bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. have mentors yeah. that wear many different hats. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, so yes. And it's also <laughs> totally cool to apply for different jobs that have different focuses, like while you're job hunting and not feel like, okay, yes. this is the thing I want to focus on. So I'm going to apply for eight different you know, Python jobs, like you could apply for a Python job and a WordPress agency job and a product company job. And, uh, you know, like that's that's totally fine too, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if we want to talk tactics for just briefly a second, Mm -hmm. don't just fire the same resume off everywhere. Like, uh, you know, customizing the resume for the job is really, really helpful. Um, if you want to dive into like that, so you Lauren, but like people listening, if you want to learn more about like, how to get your resume seen by a person and like the nitty gritty stuff here. I have a free career guide I wrote a while back that like is based on the HR stuff I used to do. So um, go make things.com slash career guide or career dash guide. I think either one will get you there, but uh, yeah, it's free. It has my resume template. You can copy paste your stuff into some interviews with some folks and a bunch of like, I used to work in HR and here's how the sausage is made kind of insights that you might find useful if you're trying to find your first job. So helpful. I will be sure to include all of that in the show notes for listeners. Oh, I love that. Incredible. Okay, so let's do some then uh, to finish us off some rapid fire questions. Sound good? Sure, perfect. All right, Uh, favorite app on your phone? Ooh, To Do by Microsoft. Uh, It's the only way I keep track of everything I need to get done and actually complete things. (laughs) Love that. Uh, Favorite tech stack? This one's kind of obvious for you, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, so for me, it is Hugo, the static site generator, um, HTML, CSS, and plain old JavaScript. Plain old JavaScript. I love it. Coffee or tea? Coffee. 
Ditto. Uh, your style of learning, we touched on this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's hands-on, project-based. Um, give me a problem and let me kind of Google my way out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then are you loyal to particular kind of resources when you were stuck? And like, how did you navigate that when you were first learning? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So originally it was stack overflow, copy, paste, repeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of like, oh, this doesn't actually work the way it's supposed to kind of things. Mm -hmm. These days I have a few kind of trusted sources I tend to go to for stuff. Um, That's the kind of thing over time you'll find, like you'll search for things. You'll start to find some of the same kind of sources come up over and over again. Right. You know, I'm not like, pedantic about it. I usually start with a DuckDuckGo search. I keep saying Google, but I yeah. use DuckDuckGo. Yeah. Ditto. No, it's, yeah. I, I'm just like fascinated thinking about it because I remember, you know, in my boot camp, cause I'm a boot camp grad myself and mm-hmm. they kind of showed up, you know, they were like here, W3, look at this. And so it was someone kind of handholding me and saying, yeah. here's what to look for. And so someone who is, doesn't have that structure, I'm always curious of like, how did you navigate that space of figuring out what are really helpful resources and what are ones mm-hmm. that are just like trying to take your money and I don't know, like yeah. in it for the wrong reasons, but yeah, I guess just kind of trial and error. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually you'll find the sites that work for you. Mm-hmm. I should probably put together a list of like my favorite go-tos for that. I've been thinking, yeah, let's, let's collaborate on that. I've been thinking about like, how do we like somehow keep all the right ones and keep them up to date? Cause then it quickly yeah. becomes like, yeah. Okay. So if you could go back in time, tell yourself a bit of wisdom, when would you pick and what would you say? Oh, that's a really great question that I don't, you know, it's tough for me to say because like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, oh yeah. And I really like, you know, I could have saved myself a lot of time if, but, um, I also like, I am in the place I am today because of all that stuff. So I don't know mm-hmm. that I would necessarily. Yeah, it's like butterfly effect. Do we want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would want to necessarily do things differently. Yeah. Like even like I've, I've for a while toyed with like, should I have gotten a computer science degree? Like I didn't realize I was going to love computer stuff this much, but sure. I think about code and solving problems in a very particular way because I don't have a CS degree. And I oftentimes find that's an asset rather than a detriment. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I am, this is such a like cheating answer, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I would necessarily tell myself to do anything differently. No, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Dan from Twitter helped me brainstorm that one. Uh, so thank you, Dan. But okay, when uh, what are you going to learn next? What's on your like, ooh, that's a hot thing I want to dive into. Ooh, uh, yeah, really good question. So do I have a great answer? For, I don't think I have a good answer for that. So the next big thing for me is it's not necessarily something I'm going to learn, but I've mm-hmm. been I've been really focused on like backwards compatibility for a while. And like, mm-hmm. you got to support IE, even though like it's a dying browser. And Microsoft is finally like killing off support for it and their products right. this summer, which means I need to go update a whole bunch of, not I need to, but I want to go update a whole bunch of my stuff to be like, okay, I used to use these older methods because IE, but we don't have to anymore. And here's all the cool stuff you can do differently now because of that. So that's kind of a, a like a, yeah. maybe a little bit of a cheaty answer, but. Um, no, 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 no. I, yeah. I just am always 
curious. I, I have like a running list of things I'm like curious about and like, should yeah. that be the thing that I like spend some time next? And so I'm always looking to add to the list, which is also terrifyingly overwhelming too. Well, so along these same lines though, like I hear from students a lot, like right. there's this overwhelming, like, I don't know what to focus on because there's too many things. Yeah. And one of the things that's helped keep me from that like sense of overwhelming dread is I've now practiced just in time learning. So rather than having this list of things I need to di- dig into because it's all this like up and coming stuff, I, <laughs> when I hit a point where I'm like, oh, this is really hard. I wonder if there's a technology that would help me make it a little simpler. Mm-hmm. Then I'll learn it and not a moment sooner. I don't even like keep it on this back burner of things I want to learn because it's just too much mental overhead for me. I love that. Yeah, this is honestly probably like an I have ADHD, so I have to strategy um, because I would get like too distracted otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's like I I'm not going to invent new problems for myself. I'm going to tackle the things that I'm excited to problem solve and build, and then figure out how to optimize that in the future if I need to or want to. So, for example, like I have this really complex app that I manage. And um, I've been hearing about Svelte.js for a really long time. And about yeah. a week ago, I decided to try and finally like roll up my sleeves and try and like learn it and dig in. And it is a very cool thing that I find more complicated than what I was already doing. So about like a day into learning it, I was like, you know what? Cool tech, not for me. I'm going to stick with what I know. And I just dropped it. Sure. Like I'm not big on learning new tech just to like say I know it. Yeah. To add it to your resume or something like yeah. that. That's, yeah, that's fair. I, Again, tons of privilege in that statement. Like tons sure. of privilege. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, no, but, no, no, no. It's uh, good of you to be aware of, acknowledge, etc. But yeah. it's it's also your truth. What's a good book you've read recently? Company of One by Jarvis. So Paul Jarvis is was. Paul Jarvis just decided to like ditch his personal brand entirely and focus on being like a behind the scenes of a product company kind of guy. But um, for a long time, he had been the like advice for freelancers and solo business owners um, kind of person. And a lot of how I run my business, basically being as authentically myself as possible was informed by Paul's like find your rat people kind of ethos. And I like that. Yeah. It's the why staying tall is the next big thing. Good title. Yep. Yeah. And so Paul's book company of one is like, if you've been reading his blog posts and or his like newsletter for a while, mm-hmm. there's not a ton of like, Oh, this is shocking and revolutionary for me, but it was yeah. a really nice synthesis of his overall way of like thinking about yeah. business. Love it. Okay. Well, I'll also include that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Okay, so let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, make your shout out. Are there any other things that you want folks to check out online uh, beyond, you know, go make things? Honestly, not not really. Um, okay, so yeah, we, the, um, let's, let's, the <laughs> go make things is my internet home. So, you know, I write a, a, a newsletter that comes out every weekday with little web development tips and tricks and snippets and things. And if you want to kind of get inside my brain a little bit. That's probably the best way to do it. It comes from my personal email address. So you can always respond and ask me questions. I love getting reader emails. Um, If you think anything I said in this podcast was stupid, I'd love to hear about that too. So feel free to email. We can argue on the internet. And you're Chris Ferdinandi on Twitter as well. Yes. Yes, I am. I stupidly did not grab C Ferdinandi, which is my handle for like 
GitHub and all the other things. And then later I discovered someone else who never uses it has that handle. So I'm stuck with Chris. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to the girl who has the most basic name on the planet. I have in my email, it has to have like an initial, some numbers. (laughs) It's everything, but I can relate. Um, Okay. Well, again, Chris, let me just say thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing your advice or wisdom tips for those that are looking to break into the industry, but also for being just such an advocate for those that are on that journey and kind of treading the waters and making sense of this industry itself. So I just, yeah, really appreciate you and have so, so enjoyed our conversation today. No, I honestly, the pleasure was all mine. This is one of the best conversations I've had in a while. So thank you. Uh, uh, Okay. Well, I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.